0: Hello again, and welcome. Grace and peace to you from our Lord Jesus Christ, our Heavenly Father, and the Holy Spirit. We gather in the name of our God, three in one, and do so with great confidence that as we seek to know God with our heart and mind, we are also experiencing the heart and mind of our God. This is our weekly podcast in the virtual church classroom, where we are presently studying the uh, Christian Believer course written by J. Ellsworth Callis. And uh, we're taking it pretty loosely as I, Pastor Dan, provide you with my uh, overview from way up high of the program, which is based roughly around the Nicene Creed and therefore is a study in the foundational doctrines of the uh, Christian faith. So that's what we're here to do. And we do so with great confidence and joy as we move forward now to uh, our weekly check-in and uh, sort of securing ourselves uh, selves in this place and time. Well, it's the last full week in October, and we are now experiencing the kind of weather that is usually associated with this time of the year in southwest Indiana. The leaves have begun to turn colors and fall in earnest, and uh, as is often the case in southern Indiana, around Halloween time is when we start to see these... uh, rainy times and cold and windy times where the leaves blow with the constancy of a kind of brown and yellow snowstorm and so it's not uncommon to be driving down the road and have to turn your wipers on just to wipe off wet leaves that have stuck to the glass and uh, it's one of the benefits of living down here in the forest lands of southwest Indiana and uh, just on the edge of the coal fields and the oil wells. Uh, The furnace is running now in the background, and here in the pastor's basement, it's warm and cozy. There's a smell of wood smoke, as the hickory that was in my fireplace last night still lingers a little bit in the air. And uh, it's just a lovely time of year, but it also tells us that it won't be long before it's dark and cold and snowy. Southwest Indiana can be a place where the winters are somewhat mild, and then at other times they can be pretty severe. We're in a place right on the edge. Unlike the old Parsons Prairie that I used to broadcast from, winter is a little more of a coin toss down here. It's going to be cold. It's going to be wet. It's just a question of whether it's going to be snow or rain, and uh, whether or not we're going to... uh, experience a long or a short winter Um, we just sort of hold on and hope for the best but uh, in any case that's the way it is out here in the hoosier hills on the edge of the coal fields here in jasper indiana i hope everything's going well for you and yours we are uh, in a time when we could talk about certain things that seem to never go away uh, on our news but uh, personally that's not what i'm here for I've come, like you, to share the truth about our Lord, our God, our Son, His Son, our Lord Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And today's topic is, Jesus is Lord. The Apostle Paul tells us in the letter to the Romans, chapter 10, verse 9, If you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so there you have it, the formula for our salvation. We have up to this point been hearing about how that salvation comes and is ultimately uh, uh open and clear to us by way of the resurrection of Jesus. You'd think I would have prepared better before I started talking. <laughs> That's not me. Anyway, I'm listening to this passage in my mind, and I'm thinking, okay, we're, we're at the transition point here on, on Lesson 15 of our Bible study, and here at Lesson 15, we're making a switch that is roughly halfway through our course of study. Uh, From hearing how we need a savior, how God saves us, and the proof that we are saved. And the proof that we are saved is in the living, resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, This is why the Apostle Paul wants us to understand that it is that we, we must believe that he was raised from the dead. Because that's the sign. That having taken upon himself the death and the punishment that we deserve has been completed and forgiveness has occurred because now his resurrection has occurred. And for us, this hope of resurrection is far more important than we really give it credit for. And that's because as human beings, we're kind of stuck in the here and now. And we tend to be more willing to accept gratification from the immediate rather than in that which is yet to come. But Paul tells us that if you want to be saved for that which is yet to come, you have to recognize and believe that Jesus died For my sake, and then rose again, and therefore is the firstborn of the resurrected dead. And in that regard, he is the first of us. He's the first one, and we are those who will follow. And it is that salvation that he speaks of when he says that if you will confess Jesus as Lord, you are saved. Perhaps you saw that in the uh, scripture readings that you looked at this week when you read from Genesis 32. You saw how Jacob wrestled with God, how there was a need for God's blessing, and it seemed like something that had to be procured in some way. And then you read in the Psalms that there's great thanksgiving because the blessing comes. And uh, then you read in Job. Don't you notice that we read from Job virtually every time we talk about a new doctrinal topic? Because the book of Job is this magnificent book. And I'm thinking maybe when we're done with this Christian believer study, we'll tear into Job as our next study. And what we recognize in that is, uh, is again, that uh, Job sees his condition as something that is the result of something bigger than himself. In other words, he, his friends are trying to convince him that uh, if he'll just admit that he created the cause for his problem... And uh, he says, I didn't cause this. This this is beyond me. There's more going on than what we can see. And so he feels like he's being victimized by this cosmic struggle between two otherworldly beings. And uh, he's actually right. I mean, he doesn't know what we know because we can read the story from all the perspectives. But from Job's perspective, he's right. And he says, who will negotiate for me? Who will will plead with God to to bring an end to my suffering? And so he's looking for a mediator, which is a wonderful type of Christ. And uh, in Bible language and in seminary studies and that sort of thing, uh, we talk about types of Christ. and, And that means... A, a sign or, or, or an emblem or someone who or some situation that represents Christ. So a type of Christ or a Christ type is, uh, is a character in a story that seems to behave in the same way that uh, Christ does in in uh, his activity sometimes you see that in popular literature and movies and things you'll you'll say you know there's something about that story it kind of reminds me of of what Jesus did and then you could say that that movie or that story has a Christ type in it so that that's what we mean by that so so in job we're seeing a, a cry for a Christ type mediator and then you have John chapter 9 verses 1 to 38. And this is a beautiful, beautiful thing. You know, we give old Thomas so much grief for being the one who doubted. And we always talk about doubting Thomas. You know, I call him believing Thomas. He, he may have had some doubt for a moment, but he is the first person in the New Testament recorded to call Jesus, uh, first of the apostles, to say openly, my Lord and my God. That's the confession we should all make. We should all make a confession Before Jesus Christ, like Thomas's, to see him in the flesh and to recognize that this is a man who is both God and man, who is our Lord and Savior, who has died, who still bears the scars of what he bore for our sake. And uh, we should fall on our faces like Thomas and say, my Lord and my God. The Acts of the Apostles Describes how this confession could be manifest through baptism. That that baptism, which predates Christianity, baptism was more uh, more readily recognized in Jewish tradition as something called a mikvah or a s- ceremonial bath. But the idea is still basically the same. You you take people under the water, and it symbolically cleanses them of sin and, and uh, symbolically uh, prepares them spiritually to enter into the worship space of the temple and put a clean garment on them. And it's sort of a, a spiritual cleansing that is symbolized through the putting on of the water or the washing of the water. And uh, now in, in the New Testament, in Acts of the Apostles, we see uh, belief in Lord Jesus Christ, Uh, Confessed through baptism In the name of the Father And the Son and the Holy Spirit And so baptism becomes A critical part of our expression Of faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior And then in Romans We have the passage we just read That uh, says you've got to confess With all your heart That God raised Jesus from the dead And therefore he is our Lord so as you were looking at all of this, and then of course you go to Revelation and and you see those representations there um, of Jesus, you recognize that in Revelation, he is uh, acting as our Lord. I mean, at this point, he's no longer misunderstood At at the time of Revelation, at the book of Revelation, he's now the Lord. This is another book I'd like to study with you because... Instead of looking at it the way popular culture does, just take the scriptures and read them. There's so much you can learn about Jesus, about heaven, about God, about uh, our relationship with God by reading Revelation. And if you stop reading it for the purpose of trying to figure out if we're living in the end times or not, just stop doing that. Just read it like you do all the other books in scripture. You'd be amazed what will happen. I digress. And so this is this is the groundwork for our discussion today. But uh, first, we need to pray. Jesus, we do pray today to you as our Lord. We come to you, recognizing through all of the teaching and through the witness of your Holy Spirit that you have saved us. And like Thomas, we want to plead. Our case before our Lord and God. Oh Jesus, we're so sorry for all the ways in which we take you for granted, all the ways in which we accept your gift, but not your lordship. So, Lord Jesus, as we learn together today, witness through your servant, speak your holy word through me, so that your people might know you better, and more than that, serve you more. Uh, deeply, with a greater commitment than they ever saw before in themselves, because they have not only confessed you as Savior, but as Lord. Amen. You know, if we're honest with ourselves, we all can agree that there are different lords of our lives we're not used to using the word Lord. It's a word that's more common in the past because it's a language of a feudal system. It's, it's a language that is uh, more commonly applied to the medieval probably than anything else. But the truth is, is in Jesus's day and and those days and the times when scripture was written, there were kings and principalities and city states and there were rulers. And, you know, there were a whole lot of people who had uh, very little and who were beholding to the various lords of the land. I think of those... Uh, The literature from Scotland and uh, the northern lands of of, uh, British Isles, and they refer to the Laird, you know, but it's still, we're talking about the lords, we're talking about those who have control over most things, and the people who are subject to their authority call them lord, because that's the appropriate way to address them, especially if you don't want to get in trouble. And uh, also because it is their authority that you're subjected to. And there's just an understanding that to violate the leadership and authority of the Lord is is a breach of law and uh, proper conduct and so forth. But these are all foreign concepts to modern Westerners, especially us Americans. And so it might be better to say that uh, Jesus is our leader. Uh, Because if we think about those things that determine our direction, then we do have lots of lords, don't we? Uh, Most of us have bosses. Most of us have someone who's in authority over us, who gives us direction. And and when they do it well and with good grace and love, uh, they do it in a way that makes our lives better. And they are people that we count on for leadership and direction. But there are also bosses who, you know, we just figure if we displease them, we're probably going to be unemployed and we can't afford to be unemployed because we've got people to feed and rent to pay. And so uh, you could say that even though you don't refer to the Lord, to the people that you own, uh, the people you owe a day's work to as lords, there are lords nonetheless. We have landlords, for example, to whom we are beholden for the rent, uh, the home we rent, and the apartment we rent. And so, you know, there are lords in our lives. We have lords in our lives who govern us because they are the ones who control uh, uh, public safety. And therefore, if we violate a traffic law or something, there are people in lordship over our lives who can uh, issue us a traffic citation. And then there are people in lordship over us who will... uh, uh you know, have us stand before them in court and possibly decide that we go to jail or something like that, or that we pay a fine and so there are many, many lords in our lives. students have teachers who are their lords, and uh, then you can get into the more abstract and recognize that we not only have people who are lords over our lives but we have bad habits that are lords over our lives and uh, we have we have responsibilities that are lords over our lives so uh, if you are an overeater, then the refrigerator is the lord of your life and the pantry in some ways. And uh, if you're uh, hooked on alcohol or some sort of uh, illegal drug, then you may have a, uh, an addiction that is a lord over your life. And, and uh, if you have a really nice home and a lot of nice things, they can be lords over your life because the maintenance and upkeep on them demand much time and energy from you. And so we are not unaccustomed to having lords in our lives. We just don't call them that. And so when we think of it that way, we realize that the Apostle Paul's requirement that we declare Jesus as Lord is a big one. And not only is he our Lord or the leader of our life or the one who has the authority over us, but we have to be willing to confess him as having all the authority over all of our lives. And so now this gets a lot harder because we all want to know that we're going to go to heaven when we die. And we all want to know that... uh, we're okay because we believe in Jesus. But, you know, believing in Jesus isn't really the key to salvation. The Bible tells us that even Satan and the demons believe in Jesus. The real question is, is do you serve him as your Lord? Do you believe he saves you from a sin that is deep within you that you cannot Uh, make right with God and do you believe then that he has done that and is therefore worthy to be the significant primary leader of your life now you got to be really honest when you hear that we all struggle in one way or another with this but I'm particularly wondering about those who don't feel that they're struggling with it at all if they're honest and they say you know I really don't let the Lord determine much about my life. I pretty much go through my life doing whatever I do, and I go to church on Sunday. I even listen to Pastor Dan's podcast. But I don't know that I actually let Jesus rule my life. And I don't think Jesus has more authority over my life than my boat, my golf game, my boss, my property my eating habits whatever i i mean i think we all have to be honest about that now please believe me there are things that i still let have more control over me than jesus and so i'm not suggesting that i or any other person who is in a position of teaching and preaching the gospel is some somehow superior in uh, in any way but the reality is is that we are we are all willingly or unwillingly letting other things take more significant leadership of our lives than the Lord Jesus. And so calling Jesus Lord is a confession, but it's also a plea. Lord, please be the ruler of my life. Jesus, please be more important in my life than anything else. And, uh, what if that is why certain things happen in your life? Uh, what if you wrestle with Jesus like Jacob wrestled with God for a blessing, and then the blessing comes and it leaves you walking with a limp like Jacob? See, so that's the story in a nutshell is, is that you want God to bless you. You really want Jesus to have the leadership of your life, and it may come with a price. Because Jesus knows that you'll just as easily go back to the old ways unless something compels you to do something, to do your life in a new way. And so you ask yourself, how bad do I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life? And how does that make you feel when the question is posed to you by someone like me? What do you do with this information? Well, if you're sincere, you confess your sin. You see, just as I prayed in my uh, opening prayer just now, um, there is a sense that we are already saved from sin in its most diabolical form. And therefore, through Christ, our sin has been covered in such a way that when we stand before God, God sees this loving Son, not our sin. However... There is our day-to-day transactions with God, or transgressions, I guess is the more appropriate word, and in which case we find ourselves deeply committed to the Lordship of Jesus, but somehow not so committed that we don't surrender our will to lesser things. And so we have to be willing to confess Jesus. You are the Lord of my life, and that means that every time today that I put something else ahead of you, I didn't live like it was so. And this doesn't become a matter of our willpower as much as it is a matter of confessing it so that you sort of put the powers and principalities of this world, the demons and the angels of darkness, you know, put them on notice. Jesus is my Lord, not you, and not those bad habits of mine that you manipulate. You know, we we have to if I haven't told you yet on this podcast I believe in spiritual warfare. That is to say, I believe that there is this supernatural conflict between good and evil, between God and uh, Satan the accuser. And I believe that we are we are the pawns and the prizes. You know that we are both the the instruments of of Satan and this uh, and this battle between good and evil. And then uh, at the same time, we are the prize to be won. And. Uh, We have to recognize that our proclamation, our confession of faith in Christ as our Savior, and especially our confession that we are sinners who are saved by his grace, and therefore our transformation depends on his leadership in our lives. You know, we have to talk like that. We have to think like that, because the fact is the renewing of your mind comes through these confessions of faith and obedience. And so... A daily prayer to say, Lord, I I regret that there were times when you weren't as significantly in leadership in my life as you should have been. And I wish and desire with all my heart that you would be Lord of all. And the upside of this confession is, is that it does give you more authority over yourself, I mean, you know, there's a certain amount of what I'm saying here that's a little bit like, uh, like the psychobabble. I mean, you know, I've been to a lot of self-help seminars and and you know, like sales seminars on on how to win your mental game and all this. Stuff. I, I've I've read all that stuff. I've listened to recordings. I've been to the various, you know, uh, programs and listened to the motivational speakers. I've heard it all, and you know. There's a place where there's convergence, and this is usually where truth occurs no matter who the source is. And one of those places of convergence is when we realize that we have to consciously give Jesus leadership over our unconscious mind. Uh, Because our unconscious mind, and therefore a lot of the things that our body craves and does intuitively, Uh, is subject to the conscious mind. And so uh, until we kind of rewrite the programming, there is always going to be a tendency to go back to the default. And so in this respect, what we're doing by confessing Jesus as Lord is not only consciously giving Jesus authority over our lives, but we're communicating a message to our subconscious that we would rather our bodies and our thoughts be disciplined in that way. And so that's the good side. (laughs) The downside is that when you choose to be committed to Christ and obey him and serve him as your Lord, one of the consequences that will naturally occur is you will become more of a target of the enemy. There is a spiritual warfare And there is an enemy who is determined to see pain inflicted on God and all of those who love and serve God. And therefore, when Jesus finds you more subject to his authority and more willing to obey him, Satan finds you repulsive. And that means you're going to be under attack. And so, You have to recognize that wherever you're most vulnerable, wherever weakness is available to the enemy, that's what he will attack. That's what Satan goes after. So this is one of the reasons that I say to you week after week after week, be in a relationship with other Christians. Be a part of a Christian community of church and faith. You can't win this battle by yourself. The Lord is bigger than your enemy, but you have to give the Lord, absolute authority over your life in order for him to absolutely win. And who of us does that successfully 24-7, 365? You know, until Christ returns and the ultimate victory is won over Satan and death, there will always be vulnerability. There will always be times when even in our Transformed nature, even as we have been saved and made new and reborn in the Holy Spirit, we will have moments of physical and intellectual weakness, where our wills will be subject to the other things instead of the Lord. And this is unfortunate, but it is also not unknown to God. And so God gives you power through the Holy Spirit to overcome. But the Holy Spirit gives you community because wherever two or more are gathered in Jesus' name, he's with us. And so you must be in communion with other believers. It's absolutely essential. And so I I urge you, therefore, to be alert and prepared for the enemy. Our program's a little shorter this week, partly because the material is not as demanding as it has been in previous weeks, and partly because yours truly, Pastor Dan, is on a little bit of a tight schedule today. Um, We covet your prayers and encouragement as we continue to offer these, uh, and I say we because this is a shared ministry that I participate in with my home church, my my church of service, Shiloh United Methodist Church, and uh, so anyway... Um, that's stuff I usually say at the very end. What I'd like you to do this week, in addition to the scripture readings, which will be listed in the description at the bottom of this uh, podcast window, is I'd like you to consider certain things. Um, these are your, your thought questions for the week. Um, we believe, because we're the church, that the proper human response to God's gift of grace is our confession of our sin. And of our faith in Jesus Christ, whom we willingly call Lord. So, can you recall when you truly confessed Jesus as Lord? Uh, Was it a conspicuous thing where others saw it, or was it something more private? Uh, Was it a growing perception that just one day you realized that your, your, your perception of Jesus had changed, and he was no longer one thing, but now he is the Lord and as you grow in Christian faith, what experiences uh, have you s- uh, known in your life that make you change, make you aware that you're changing? You know, like when you look back over your life and you realize that there was a time when you had to confess Him as Lord so that He could help you overcome those base bad habits, and now those aren't such a big deal. And you find yourself wrestling with bigger things. Do you see how your sanctification or your sort of spiritual maturity has been happening? What's that been like for you? In order to really see that you are making progress, you have to stop and look over your shoulder once in a while, and once in a while, and measure your progress. What do you find particularly div- difficult about confessing your sin uh, and trusting Jesus as Lord? And do you have any kind of rituals or routines, especially to, to kind of repent of your day-to-day disregard for the lordship of Jesus? Um, there is a sort of distinction between our natural sin and our day-to-day sin. You know? Both are the same in that they are a propensity toward disrespecting God and uh, discounting God's good character and distrusting God's word and will. But some happen day to day, and some are part of that built-in natural sin that we get from Adam. Um, how public are you about your confessions of Jesus as Lord? Uh, what do you think about certain people and their stickers on their cars and their T-shirts and their various other, you know, and what do you think? of? Do you think they're judging you because you don't walk around proclaiming, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord, you know? These are the kind of things we need to talk about. So I hope you will. And since I can't be with each of you, I hope that you will find someone to discuss this with. And if you like, you can send me an email. You can write in the discussion panels in this uh, podcast. And uh, I'll try to help. It would be my pleasure. For now, let's close with the prayer of George Herbert. A broken altar, Lord, thy servant rears, made of a heart and cemented with tears, whose parts are as thy hand did frame. No workman's tool hath touched the same. A heart alone is such a stone, as nothing but thy power doth cut. Wherefore, each part of my hard heart meets in this frame to praise thy name. That if I chance to hold my peace, these stones to praise thee may not cease. O let thy blessed sacrifice be mine, and sanctify this altar to be thine. Well, I want to thank you again for your faithful listening to this podcast and to me as I try to speak to you of the things of God, in particular our doctrine as Christians. I hope that you've been blessed. My prayer, of course, is that you hear the voice of God, the word of God, and not just this preacher who likes to talk to himself in the basement in front of his fuzzy black microphone. I do pray for you regularly. And I try to imagine you wherever you are. And if you happen to be here in Southwest Indiana, we'd be glad to worship with you at Jasper uh, Shiloh United Methodist Church in Jasper, Indiana. Uh, We're in this beautiful place of Southwest Indiana that borders the edge of the Hoosier National Forest and the Hoosier Hills and then tapers down into the coal fields and the oil wells of Southwest Indiana and the Wabash Valley. And... uh, would like very much to share worship with you. If you're further away, then please, as I keep saying, join with another body of worshipers. Don't go this alone. But if you are further away, it would bless me so much to hear from you. I would love to receive an email or any kind of indication of where you are and how this is serving you. And if you must, be free to offer me any criticisms or suggestions for improvements now do so with grace and love, but uh, it's welcome. And uh, I just ask that God bless you and keep you safe, watch over you and yours. As we look together for Christ's return, we cry hopefully Maranatha and yet ask God, wait just a minute, I think there's another one yet to be saved. And this is our hope and prayer as we go in peace to love and serve the Lord.